Hi, filmmakers. Jason Brubaker with Filmmaking Stuff, where we show you how to make, market, and sell your movie without the middleman. I'm talking to you from, well, it's not very much of a sunny day here in Southern California, but I am happy to be talking to you from Los Angeles. Um, this topic today, we're going to talk about video-on-demand release windows, specifically some of the secrets um, uh, about getting your movie out there and, and really exposing some of the stuff that film distributors probably don't want you to know. Uh, this is all very exciting to me. You know, outside of recording these podcasts, I've made some feature films myself, and in marketing and selling my own feature films, I've gotten heavily involved with video-on-demand distribution and some of the emerging marketplaces. And so anytime I get to talk about film distribution, I just I, – I get like so full of energy and enthusiasm because I just love this. I love the emerging markets, and I love the fact that you, without asking any permission, can go out and source an audience and get people to buy your movie. So today I'm going to talk to you about the various video-on-demand platforms out out there so that you can better sell your movie. I'm also going to talk about, in, in talking about the platforms, I'm going to share some ideas on movie release windows, and that's going to be the bulk of our conversation. So let, let's just start there. Whenever someone mentions video-on-demand release windows, for me, I'm instantly transported back to a time long before video-on-demand. Um, as a kid, I remember one night specifically when my mom and dad took me to see the original Karate Kid. And I don't, you know, obviously I don't know who you are or how old you are, but uh, maybe you remember something like this too. And I'm referring to the original Karate Kid where they actually did karate and not Kong Fu. But anyway, after the movie, you know, I was so emotionally charged that I distinctly remember the ride home. I was in the back of my dad's cherry red MGB with the top down, and I was slicing the hot summer air with a poorly made toy Viking, uh, Viking sword. And to this day, I'm not sure why I had a toy Viking sword or why my mom and dad would let me sit in the back of an MGB. Incidentally, if you've ever rode in an MGB, you know that there isn't actually a back seat or a seatbelt back there. It's just a compartment that holds the battery. Um, but again, this was when I was a kid, and those were much different times. I, you know, <laughs> things have changed. And, and I was living, I grew up in a small town in rural Pennsylvania. So going back to the Karate Kid, if I wanted to see the Karate Kid on video, which I very much did want, um, I had to wait. And I hope it doesn't sound overly hillbilly to share this stuff with you, but from where I'm from, you know, we didn't go to the movies all the time. And when we did, it was a very special treat. So outside of actually going to the movie theater, we only had one little video store. It was called Ryan's Video, and it was one of the first video stores in our area. And guess what? They did not have Karate Kid. And I know this because I repeatedly asked the owner when he would have it. And he would always respond, any week now. So unbeknownst to me, my frustration with this whole thing was the result of Hollywood's movie release window strategy. And so before we talk about video-on-demand release windows, I think it's important that you understand traditional release windows. In a traditional movie release sequence, movies like the original Karate Kid were first available in movie theaters. And then determine when and where the movie would be released next. Behind the scenes, unbeknownst to all of us that just wanted to see a movie, there were deals that were being made for territories all over the world where that movie would eventually be sold. And to get into those other territories, there were different things that had to take place on the manufacturing side. For example, subtitles and closed caption and different language dubs had to be created. 
And so this was back in the day of VHS tapes, and which was later replaced by DVDs. All of this physical stuff, these were goods that had to not only be manufactured, but they also had to be shipped. And so they were shipping units, physical units. And from there, the movie would end up in, in, on airplanes or any other sort of ancillary outlet that you can imagine. And eventually the movie would make its way to free television. So in my case, The Karate Kid eventually made its way to my local video store in my small town in Pennsylvania. And believe me, when that day came, all was well and good in the universe. So in the years that followed, um, much the same as what you've experienced, big box video stores came in like Blockbuster or Hollywood Video, and they completely replaced all of the small mom and pop video stores like Ryan's Video. And these conglomerates, they were good at, at leveraging the release windows. You probably remember walking into some of them, and they'd always have that coming soon sign. And you would see when the movie was coming, and you'd get all excited, and, and you'd want to be there first so that you could rent the movie before anyone else. I mean, do you remember this? There are people listening to this podcast, and you might be one of them. You probably never even stepped foot in a video store, but I did. And those were different times. You'd, you'd look at those coming soon announcements, and you could not wait to get to that video store so that you could get the movie before anybody else. Or... You'd go in there and, like, they wouldn't have the video available, but you'd always look through, like, the Dropbox to see if maybe somebody returned it earlier. Ah, you remember that? But there was still a period of waiting. You were waiting to get that movie. You were waiting to get that product. It was building anticipation. And so let's fast forward to today. Now we're talking about video on demand release windows. As you well know, the DVD, the DVD market is well on its demise. Most video stores, as we know it, are out of business. And with video on demand release windows, the good news is you no longer need to wait for a physical DVD to arrive at your local video store. And if you think about it, we got cable, we got iTunes, we got Amazon, we got Netflix, and then we got platforms like the Watchbox or Vimeo On Demand or some of the stuff that the guys over at VHX are doing. Um, The time between release windows has greatly diminished. Movies go from the theaters or the film festivals to a living room in record time. And as a result, these buying habits, they have had, they have influenced a paradigm shift over the entire marketplace, and the consequences are huge. So, as you well know, traditional DVD distributors, they're like, oh my gosh, our whole business is eroding. What are we going to do next? Um, A lot of them have jumped ship into the video-on-demand bandwagon, and they're hoping to recoup lost revenues. They're hoping to maintain that old release window paradigm. But the truth is, film distribution has become a commodity. And what that means is getting your movie onto a platform. It's no longer a scarce resource. In other words, getting distribution is no longer the problem. It's no longer special. You know, there's a gazillion platforms out there, um, uh, roughly 250 at my last count, that allow you to get your movie seen and selling. And even more sobering for the old film distribution guard, these people that are trying to maintain the old model, Even more sobering is the fact that many of these platforms are absolutely accessible without their help. So this means that traditional distributors, you know, they have to come up with more and more interesting ways to secure your video on demand rights. And the funny thing is, you know, they're not paying the minimum guarantees or the upfront cash advances that they used to. So the pitch usually sounds something like this. 
Um, I'm going to try to play two roles here. I have a monotone voice. I'm not a good actor. Uh, I have tried acting in the past, and I, I, I'm like the worst actor on earth. But let me just go ahead and give this a shot. And if you'd like to cast me in your next movie, um, I'm happy to, to act in it if, if you are looking for somebody with a monotone voice. But here we go. Let, let's go ahead and start the dialogue. I, I will play the video on demand aggregator, and I'll also play the new filmmaker, and I'll try to distinguish with my monotone voice which is which. Okay, video on demand aggregator. Give us your movie for 15 years, kiddo. And the new filmmaker. Will you pay us a minimum guarantee? No, but we will get you onto Amazon and the other popular marketplaces. Wait, Jason Brubaker said I can get my movie on Amazon without you. Well, I know a guy who works there and we can get you special, 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 special placement in the video on demand platform. So what? What else are you going to do? Well, we've been in business for 250 years, and we know what we're doing when it comes to distribution. Wait, video on demand wasn't around 250 years ago. And besides, I have thousands of people on my mailing list asking to buy the movie. Wouldn't it make sense to sell my movie directly to my fans? Yes, it would make some sense, but please do not start selling your movie until you and I make a deal. After that, you are free to sell your movie to your own fan base. In fact, we encourage you to start marketing and selling your movie to your own fans, but only after we make a solid distribution deal that locks you into 15 years um, with no way to get out of it. Besides, you would not want to ruin your video-on-demand release windows, would you? All right, I'm going to end the dialogue, and, and again, um, you know, all apologies for how annoying that might have sounded, but I was trying to be very clear about something. Um, there's a lot of that kind of talk that's out there, but I want to be very, 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 very clear here. There's a lot of unscrupulous bottom-feeding distributors that actually act that way, and there's a lot of really awesome guys and gals out there that are working in video-on-demand distribution that are trying to solve the same problem that I am. Um, which is how do we help filmmakers source and exponentially grow an audience? So not all video-on-demand distributors and not all video-on-demand aggregators are terrible, but you are going to want to do your own due diligence, and you're going to want to ask those tough questions before you go into any sort of deal. So you want to go with the company that's right for you. You want a company that's going to serve as your equal partner. That's what a distributor should do. Unfortunately, the good guys that I'm describing, they make up a very small minority. If you go to any film market out there, and I've been to uh, the American film market quite a few times, I'm going to guarantee that you're going to meet a bunch of the bottom-feeding distribution executives that I mentioned. And they're going to be touting a similar pitch to the one that I was jokingly referring to earlier, and you're going to hear it over and over again. Um, Be very cognizant of when they talk about how they can get you special placement because they know so-and-so at the platform. Everybody knows that guy at the platform. I'm Facebook friends with that guy. I follow him on Twitter, um, and I'm not going to mention names here. But, you know, here's the deal. Finding a great distribution deal these days is especially rare. You got a whole bunch of filmmakers out there, um, and they're choosing to create their own marketing sales and distribution plan. If you've been listening to me or reading my blog or, or, or paying attention, you know that I love direct distribution. I love it based on my own filmmaking back when I had to deal with all of that crappy distribution stuff that I mentioned earlier. And here's the thing. While that offers a whole bunch of freedom for you as a filmmaker, if you choose to go the direct route and you go directly to your audience – Uh, It is very important for you to understand that video on demand, it's comprised of several distinct 
categories, right? So whenever I talk about VOD, I always get people to call me up and they're like, wait, you were talking about VOD, but you're actually referring to EST, which is electronic sell-through. I'm not trying to confuse you with all the terminology. I'm just going to keep it very simple. And let's just start in, in, in a light order in terms of best practices for a release. So starting out, you have transactional video on demand, transactional video on demand. So with transactional VOD, what that means is people can only watch your movie after they make a payment. So some of the platforms such as Amazon and iTunes, um, they figured out ways to make transactions very easy. What they do is they'll keep your customer credit card information on file. Um, and what that means is it removes a barrier. Somebody comes to and they find your movie on one of these platforms. They don't necessarily, if they're already registered, they've already made a few purchases. They don't necessarily have to pull their credit card out of their wallet, um, which adds more obstacles. They're actually only one or two clicks away from watching your movie. So that's one of the benefits to being in those uh, popular platforms. Popular transactional platforms for filmmakers, like I mentioned earlier, are Amazon and iTunes. But additionally, you may want to explore some web-based platforms like the Watchbox, Vimeo, and the guys over at VHX um, that will help you transact directly from your website. Then we move into subscription video on demand. So SVOD, as it's sometimes referred to, subscription video on demand. What it is is a convenient model that allows subscribers for the service to sign up pay a monthly fee, and in exchange, they have access to unlimited or nearly unlimited uh, movies. And so this model is great for consumers because, frankly, they can watch anything whenever they want to. But here's the kicker. As a filmmaker, if you go into SVOD, you know, uh, it, it could be great for you because it, it could offer a whole bunch of discovery. There could be people out there that find your movie that otherwise wouldn't have found it. But as a possible downside, unless you strike an awesome licensing deal up front, a licensing deal of like one or two years of being on this platform, you know, that, that actually makes a lot of sense and pays you a lot of money, you might be a little bit disheartened down the road when you realize your title gets a gazillion views and you've only ended up with a very little amount of revenue to show for it. So keep that in mind. The other kind of platform um, or model that we're talking about is advertisement-supported video on demand. Sometimes this is referred to as free video on demand, but I'm, I'm, let's just keep it at advertisement-supported video on demand. What that means is you got some platforms out there that make their money by placing targeted advertising in front of the viewer while they're watching their, your movie. So this type of model can be win-win, right? Because many ad-supported platforms provide filmmakers with a portion of the advertisement revenue, which is great. And then it's win-win for the viewer because they get to watch your movie without pulling that credit card out and actually making a transaction. So in the United States, one of the most popular ad-supported platforms is Hulu. Um, it's gained popularity as a great way to watch popular television shows and movies on demand. And unlike transactional platforms... Um, these ad-supported platforms, they make their money by peppering content, like I said earlier, with advertisements. So they may take your movie and they might pepper it with a whole bunch of ads. People watch those ads and you get paid. So if they acquire your title, you will receive a portion of the advertisement revenue on these ad-supported VOD platforms. Next, I want to hop into embeddable players for your website. Now, I mentioned it earlier in the transactional player um, 
Best practices emphasize the importance of getting your movie seen and selling in popular video on demand marketplaces. But here's the deal. I, I just, and I have these conversations all the time. I consult with filmmakers, you know, like I mentioned earlier, my background is all this stuff and you can tell I'm really jazzed about it. So I work with a lot of filmmakers that are asking me some of the stuff that I'm sharing with you right now. And there's a lot of filmmakers that I talk to that are getting savvy and they've already built a list of like 10,000 people that are clamoring to see their movie. And these people are going to watch the movie, even if you put it on the moon, if you made it easy for them to get to the movie, they would go the whole way to the moon to watch the movie. Maybe that's an exaggeration. But the point being is if you've got a strong mailing list, why wouldn't you just embed a player right on your own website, send out an email to your followers and say, hey, my movie's available first and foremost on my website. So for some filmmakers, it makes a lot of sense to embed the player on your own website, send out that mailing list. Um, make a bunch of sales from your website, and then later on fan out into uh, the other marketplaces. And I'll get to that uh, release schedule in a second. But, but again, if you've already done the work of sourcing an audience, why wouldn't you benefit from marketing directly to your audience? If you use another platform and market your audience to go to that other platform, then your audience becomes the customer of whatever platform that is. Um, and you want something, you know, that may or may not make a lot of sense for you. So let's talk about how to leverage video on demand release windows. We've talked a lot about the different types of video on demand release windows. Um, so let's, let's give an example. So let's say you're moving into the marketplace. If you do not have a comprehensive release strategy, you could very well end up with unintended bad consequences. So here are some of the best practices that you should consider when strategizing your VOD release windows. And I want to be very clear here. When I say you should consider, what that means is I'm not saying this is the law. I'm just telling you these are best practices. You're going to want to consult with people on your own production team, on your own marketing team, lawyers, and all sorts of other business professionals to see if this makes the most sense for your particular movie. But most distribution professionals in the VOD game right now, they agree that you should explore your opportunities in the following order. First of all, start out with transactional video on demand. Um, that could be the embeddable player on your website that asks people for their um, payment information, as well as releasing a movie in the popular transactional VOD marketplaces like Amazon and iTunes, to name a few. Then you want to move into cable video on demand which is also in a sense transactional. Once you're on cable VOD, what it means is your movie ends up in a series of menus. And if somebody on their cable controller says buy now, they're making a transaction through their cable company. And those are some of the deals that you can make out there. So you get your movie available on cable VOD. Then you move into subscription VOD. This would be the stuff like um, Netflix that we talked about earlier, or, or some of the subscription places where people are paying a monthly fee. You make your licensing deal up front. And then, of course, you have ad-supported VOD, which is like the Hulus of the world. And then you move into free VOD, which would be if you were to just throw your movie up on YouTube, which, frankly, if you wanted to, you could join the YouTube partner program, and then it becomes an ad-supported thing. And you've seen that when you go to YouTube, they'll pay, play some um, ads before the video. Um, Again, I want to reiterate, these are considerations that, that you can make while you're coming up with a strategy. This is not locked in stone. You may have a distributor out there that has a great relationship with Netflix, and they can garner you one of the greatest licensing deals on earth. But then the caveat is you're not allowed to have the movie available anywhere else for like a period of months to a year afterwards. So, And the same with cable VOD and the same with some of these ad-supported models and all of that kind of stuff. So the bottom line 
at least from my perspective, is this. You go out, you spend some time, you evaluate all of your deals, and you take the deal that makes the most sense for your movie. However, if you have raised and, and done the work and you have a clamoring audience out there and you've crunched the numbers and you realize that if you sell your movie for $9.99 with like uh, a piece of merchandise upsell that brings the, the, the revenue up to like 30 bucks a pop or something like that, and you can sell to even a small percentage of the market that you've already sourced, then it may make sense for you to release through your own channels first before you even worry about this other stuff. And maybe you're not worried about that other stuff. So the reason that I gave you that sequence, you know, just to take a step back, if you make your movie available on Hulu and Netflix first, the big question to ask yourself is will anybody want to see your movie and actually pull out their credit card and pay for it somewhere else? Or will a transactional platform, will they even take your movie if it's already available for free somewhere? These are all the questions you have to ask yourself, all the things you have to consider before you take on any deal. And I got to tell you that planning stage actually begins right now. Even if you're writing your screenplay, you got to ask yourself who your target audience is, and you got to start visualizing exactly what kind of marketing and promotional plan you're going to carry out from script to screen to getting it out um, into the major releases out there. If you would like more information, more professional information on all the stuff that I've talked about today and more, please visit my website, makeyourmovienow.com. And once again, open up another browser, visit makeyourmovienow.com, and I will see you on the other side. My name is Jason Brubaker, and thank you so much for listening. This is another Filmmaking Stuff Filmmaking Podcast.